0: My name's Andrew Kays, and I'm the pastor at Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church of Paynes Point. That's in rural Oregon, Illinois. You're about to hear me preach. Now, this episode was recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic, during which time public worship has been disrupted. We don't have it every Sunday. Therefore, all sermons have been recorded ahead of time to make them available online. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture is NRSV, used under the gratis policy of the copyright holder, the National Council of Churches. Our reading for this evening, the second midweek service in Lent, comes from Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Pray in the Spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly, as I must speak. Here ends the reading. Grace and peace to you, sisters and brothers in Christ. On Sunday morning, we read from 1 Peter, and I teased that we would be considering some aspects of that reading again tonight. And we won't reread the text, but let me just highlight those two aspects as to remind you. First, we had the idea that what was once the job of a handful of priests now falls to all of us who trust in Christ. We are to offer up prayers and sacrifices. Now, sacrifices for us are less discreet than, say, animal sacrifices. We give in more broad, general terms, like we give of our time, our money, our skills, our energy in an attempt to honor God and love neighbor. Prayers, however, are every bit as distinct as they have always been. I mean, we Lutherans call this idea that it's no longer the priests praying and sacrificing, but each of us, the priesthood of all believers. It's exactly what it sounds like. In Christ, through the Holy Spirit, God has sought to have meaningful relationship with each of us as individuals and as communities. We hold these two relationships intention. A relationship with God is crucial for you as an individual, but to really do it right, we relate to God as a community. And there's different reasons for that, among which is it keeps us in check. It keeps us from believing that God just so happens to agree with every thought we have. We need others to remind us that's not the case. Recognizing that relationship then calls into question, why do priests relate to God in certain ways which no one else does? The list had gotten long. There was this intuitive sense that only the priest was pure and holy enough to be heard by God, and yet God had declared each of us entirely righteous. You and I have the same claim on God. In the confession and forgiveness, it has been made plain that we are equals in each regard. So we might go down that list and ask, what does a seminary education and the opportunity to make a life and career out of seeking God through the church mean? That is to say, is there anything which the priest or pastor should have a distinct way of relating to God? Is there anything I can do that maybe you can't do or that I should do instead of having you do it? And the answer for us for is there anything, yes, there is, but the list is pretty short. Pastors preside over worship and the sacraments, baptism and communion, and we get a larger share of the work of teaching and leading. Now, that's an important list. I'm not diminishing myself or other clergy. It's just that the list, again, isn't very long. The second aspect of 1 Peter, which I said we'd look at again, is that the text ended with the comment that we receive Mercy. This relationship to God, which harkens back to the priesthood of old, goes two ways. We give something up to God, God gives something over to us. Maybe not exactly what we prayed for, but something. Paul summarizes it elsewhere as peace. That's what we receive. Peter summarizes it here as mercy. They're both good, if incomplete, answers which complement each other to answer the question, how does God respond to our priestly prayers? Turning to tonight's epistle on the same matter, Ephesians tells us to pray all the time and to do so with supplication. We might call that intercessions. It goes on to ask that we pray for Paul in his ministry. So 1 Peter says, we're all to do the praying that we might receive mercy And Ephesians says to pray all of our concerns as intercessions, including that God would help specific people in specific ways who need the help. That together might be used as the scriptural, biblical justification, why we do what we do, with an extra homage to Lutheran theology. The question in this case, why do we use the prayers of intercession? Well, having touched on those first two explanations motivations, let's consider what the prayers of intercession do. They, they give us the opportunity to share prayer concerns publicly. They get the word out in an honest, vulnerable way. In an indirect way, it invites support, maybe even intervention from others in the room. If you pray for something that morning, either through me, right, asking me to pray, or offering your own intercession, that prayer may be answered by someone in the room. In a more general sense, prayers for the things we should be concerned for, that the church is concerned for, that God has called us to be concerned for, lifting up those prayers focuses our lives appropriately. It reinforces Those same concerns. For example, when we pray for peace, you become conscious of your call to be a peacemaker. When we pray the hungry be fed, you are conscious of your call to feed the hungry. Taking that idea back to the individual, when we pray for those on our prayer list, you are reminded each week that there is a concern there. Maybe this week it motivates you to reach out to send a card. Maybe next week it reminds you of an old friend facing a similar situation and you become an answer to one of their prayers instead. I hope it is clear at this point that for Christians, prayer should never be about treating God like some heavenly vending machine. We don't put the prayer in hoping to get the request back. Even in lines that allude to something like that, say in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus talks about getting good gifts from our God, our Father, all the steps leading up to the prayer are about drawing closer to God in a genuine way. The gift by implication is a meaningful, enriching relationship with God. And then again, in Philippians, the gift that we all receive is peace, peace that surpasses understanding. We will be empowered to live with whatever hardships we give over to God. In 1 Peter, we are told to expect mercy. No matter how hard you expect things to go, with God's help, they won't be that bad. You'll find mercy. Prayers of intercession are an opportunity to do all this and more together and to receive all this and more together. They are a weekly reminder that the God of all that ever has been, is, or will be, is present with each of us in our concerns and is walking there with you during particular hardships. This conforms us as individuals and as a community around a relationship with God that can cope with the hardships of the world and proclaim good news despite them. That's why we do what we do. Amen. Thanks for listening. I pray God spoke to you in some way. A quick note at the end here, which you can skip if you've heard it before. The audio of my sermons does not always include proper citations. While I do some self-study and lean on my seminary education, I also lean on my colleagues with whom we have a regular text study. I also use Luther Seminary's Working Preacher website and their podcast, Sermon Brainwave. Some credit is due to at least one of those sources. Wherever you are, whenever you hear this, please be well. Take care of yourself and each other, and have a great rest of the week.